You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Today, I, I felt like um, we were supposed to talk about inheritance and identity. Everything's about identity. But today, I, I'd, I'd like to look at our inheritance and our identity through a couple, not a couple, basically just one Old Covenant picture. Um, I need to recover, but I don't want to recover. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so let's let's take a look at one old covenant picture. Um, can we show the photo of the high priest? So here's um, an artist's rendition of what the high priest of Israel looked like. His dress, his clothing. Everything that the man in the center is wearing has meaning. Everything that he is wearing um, points to Jesus. Everything about the Old Covenant pointed to Jesus. So, I mean, you can look at the, the turban, the gold band, his tunic, the ephod, the bells, the pomegranates, the designs. Everything had Something to do in pointing to Jesus. But today we're going to focus on just one thing. Just one thing. If you notice the, the breastplate, that's, uh, the, the blue thing that he's wearing is called an ephod. And so the breastplate went over the ephod and it was held by gold chains. And there were 12 stones on the ephod, or the breastplate. The 12 stones represented and had the names of each tribe of Israel. Now, up on the top of his shoulders, you can't really see them very well, but there were um, two stones, one on each side, that um, were um, onyx, a, a black stone, that had the names of the 12 sons of Israel. The 12 sons of Israel and the 12 tribes of Israel are not the same. Um, Levi was not considered part of the tribes, and Joseph was not, because Joseph got a double portion with his sons Manasseh and Ephraim. So their names are on the, um, the stones that are on the front. So I want to talk today about just these, the breastplate and the stones, and with a subject that has fascinated me for a long time. And that is the, another term for the stones were the Urim and the Thummim. Now, some people believe that the Urim and the Thummim were separate stones that went into a pocket inside the, the breastplate. But there's several times where the breastplate itself in the scriptures is referred to the Urim. So, and there's also no provision in the uh, um, in Exodus 
for there to be a pocket built into the breastplate. So the 12 stones on the front are called the Urim, and the two stones on the shoulders are called the Thummim. And the name Urim means lights, and the name Thummim means perfection. These words are in plural, um, so it could either talk about their majesty, or it could also talk about that there's more than one stone. So there's 12 on the front, there's two on the shoulders. Now the thing that's interesting about, about the, um, the Urim and the Thummim was that a person, uh, usually it's of national importance, a very important uh, person and the situation, could ask a question and they would receive an answer from God by means of the Urim and the Thummim. Now some people, as I said, they thought that these were stones and so they would cast them like lots, you know, just throw them down and whatever the, the ones that came up um, would be the answer. So they thought that there was a black and a white one. So, so that, those would come up in whatever way, which really takes a lot of the supernatural portion out of it because, you know, it's like, okay, just like flipping a quarter, you know, throwing, rolling dice, just whatever, whatever comes up. But a lot of scholars are coming around to believing that that's, that was not the case, that the Urim and the Thummim were actually the breastplate stones and the stones on the shoulders. And some of them are believing because the name means lights and perfection. When it says lights, it's not just talking about just a light. It's talking about like fire light, fire yeah, so they would ask a question and the breastplate stones would light up. And when it did, the presence of God would come upon the priest and he would give the answer of what God was saying regarding that particular situation. And we'll look at a few examples. Some people believe that the the stones themselves, the letters that were engraved on the front of the stones would light up and they would spell out what it was that the person was inquiring about. So we're going to discuss these things through several resources, some secular resources and also scriptural. So the, um, the first person that we're going to talk about is a gentleman by the name of Flavius Josephus. Have you ever heard of Josephus? Anybody? Okay. So Josephus was a first century Jew who was, um, he was from a priestly family and he was captured during the first Roman Jewish war, about 67 AD. He was captured and then he eventually went over to the Romans. The Jews hated him, called him a traitor, but he, he was, he was, um, he was a valuable resource because he recorded for the Romans the entire history from creation until that modern day of everything that the Jews had did and everything that God had done with them. So he wrote all this stuff down. Can we have the first quotation up there, please? So this is what he wrote concerning these stones. It says, for as to those stones which we, we, were to which we told you before, the priest, high priest, bore on his shoulders, which were sardonyxes. And I think it needless to describe their nature, they being known to everybody. 
This was common knowledge at that time. I don't even need to tell you about it because everybody knows about it. One of them shined out when God was present at their sacrifices. Bright rays darted out thence and being seen even by those that were most remote, which splendor was not yet before natural to a stone. We're talking supernatural, that God is doing something. He's letting you know, I am here. You have to remember, this is before Christ. God was not present inside people 24-7 the way he is within his believers today. So they did not feel internally the presence of God. God showed them this by means of these stones lighting up. Hey, I'm here. He goes on to say, yet I will mention which is still more wonderful than this. For God declared beforehand by these 12 stones, which the high priest bore on his breast and which were inserted into his breastplate when they should be victorious in battle. For so great a splendor shone forth from them before the army began to march that all the people who were sensible of God were sensible of God's being present for their assistance. God was there, and they knew he was there because these stones were shining. Um, so, these, so when they would go into battle, the high priest would stand toward the back, and, it, and these stones shone. I mean, I'm not talking glowing. The onyx, you know, onyx is black, right? <laughs> and these stones shone as bright as the sun. It said that rays were actually shooting out of the stones. It was that bright. The second quote, that was the first one. second one is also from Flavius Josephus. He says, Moses taught them also by what means their sacrifice might be acceptable to God and how they should go forth in war to war, making use of the stones in the high priest's breastplate for their direction. How many of you have heard about this stuff? Wow. Th this totally blew me away. You know, because, you know, I, I remember about the, the stories about the, the temple, you know, filling with smoke, and the priests were so overcome they couldn't even go inside. But obviously there was more going on than just that. But then Josephus also goes on to mention that how the stone stopped working some 200 years before he wrote these things, because he wrote this in the first century. So 200 years prior to the first century, about the time of the Maccabees, um, the stone stopped working because of the disobedience of the sons of Israel. So, that's one reference. The next reference, because not everybody trusts Josephus, because he was one guy, he was a traitor, blah, blah, blah. But in 1946, a group of young Bedouin shepherds were throwing rocks into a cave. These caves were up on a cliff, and they're throwing these rocks into this cave. And all of a sudden, one of them heard something smash when he threw the rock. And they went and investigated, and they found all of these huge jars. And inside these jars were ancient scrolls written. We know them today as the Dead Sea Scrolls. These scrolls are dated from the third century BC. And this is a, uh, something that they said. 
the Urim and the Thummim and describe the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, scribes, how they give light. They gave light like the sun in all its radiance. That brightly. After, it describes the alternate shining of the stones on the right and the left, shoulder pieces of the high priest's ephod at, the, at a national feast. The stones are said to contain flashes of fire and to shine forth to all the assembled people until the priest finished speaking. Wow. Sounds like Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so, these stones lit up like flashes of fire. These rays would shoot out like lightning from the, breast, from the stones on the shoulders and on the breastplate. People knew by the presence of the light that God's presence and his acceptance was with them. It assured them when they would go into war that they would win. They knew. They also knew when they would offer up a sacrifice, such as the Day of Atonement, that the sacrifice had been accepted by God. It was an acceptable sacrifice. So, is there evidence in the scriptures that these things happen? Yes, there is. The first one is found in Exodus chapter 28, verse 15 in the NIV. It says, God is telling Moses to fashion a breastpiece for making decisions. Make it like the ephod of gold and blue, purple and scarlet yarn, and a finely twisted linen. A breastplate for making decisions. Hmm. This shows some examples of what that did, of them actually doing this. 1 Samuel 23, 6 through 12. Now Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, had brought the ephod down with him when he fled to David and Keilah. Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah, and he said, God has delivered him into my hands, for David has imprisoned himself by entering a town with gates and bars. Remember, just before this, Saul had killed the priests of Israel, the high priest, Ahimelech. Ahimelech wiped out the whole family. So that's why Abiathar figured he was better <laughs> on David's side. So that's when they switched over. Verse 8, And Saul called up all his forces for battle to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his ephod. David said, Lord God of Israel, your servant has heard definitely that Saul plans to come to Keilah and destroy the town on account of me. Will the citizens of Keilah surrender me to him? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? Lord God of Israel, tell your servants. And the Lord said, he will. Again, David asked, will the citizens of Keilah surrender me and my men to Saul? And the Lord said, they will. So, there, so Abiathar had brought the ephod with him, which is the ephod is the blue thing, and the breastplate. He brought it with him, and because it was with him, David was to, able to inquire of the Lord, and he received these answers. 
the breastplate for making decisions. First Samuel 30, verses 6 through 8 says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. He inquired of the Lord and received this answer. Wow. I mean, we know that, you know, God did not indwell in people, but yet his, his spirit, his presence would overcome high priests and kings at times, prophets at times. And here's a couple of examples in scriptures where they received, um, where they received answers from God. So I said earlier that we're talking about inheritance and um, identity. What does this stuff mean for us today? You know, it's plus 2,000 plus years since these, these things stopped working. <laughs> First of all, can you bring up the picture of the high priest again? Jesus Christ is our great high priest. Jesus Christ is the high priest. Hebrews 9.11 says, But God came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. So Jesus was the better, the greater high priest than those of ancient Israel. The things in the Old Covenant were written for us. It's not just um, a collection of books that we ignore because, oh, it's, you know, we're in New Covenant. We're in the period of love and grace, you know. That is true, but there is so much for us to learn because everything that God talked about and pointed out and what he had them do uh, in his covenant with Israel is important to us because it points to Jesus and we are in the inheritors. We are the body of Christ here on this earth. The things that were written in the Old Covenant um, were but a shadow of the realities of heaven. Let's talk for a moment of what a shadow is. You all know what shadows are, right? There's on the floor right there. It's, it's, a, it's sometimes an obscure... You don't really get to see, you just see the outline of the form of something. You don't really see the very image of the thing that it's reflecting, right? Um, shadows are temporary. They're dark. They're blurry. They change. But the realities of heaven are permanent, okay? This is the part that really gets me, is that we're talking about stones on a high priest that lit up as brilliantly as the sun and shone forth when the presence of God was there. But yet the scriptures tell us that was a shadow of the realities of heaven. That is a shadow of the realities of heaven. Hebrews 8.5 tells us, 
that these things serve as the copy and the shadow of heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was told to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you in the mountain. The pattern. So God showed him these heavenly realities and instructed him in details to what he was to do. These realities of heaven, real stuff. And he was to make a copy of these things for here on the earth. 10.1 in Hebrew says, For the law being a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. It's a shadow of the good things. It's not a clear representation. It's a shadow. Again, these lights shooting out. Oh, yeah, we're going to win today. Oh, this is going to be a good one. (laughs) Yeah, he accepted the sacrifice. We're good for another year. (laughs) You know? It's a shadow of good things to come. So all these things were really, really cool in themselves. But what is our greater reality? First of all, let's look at the names of the stones on the shoulders. On the shoulders were the names of the sons of Israel. On the breastplate was the names of the tribe of Israel, tribes of Israel. And as I mentioned, not all of the names of the sons are on the breastplate. Notice this in Galatians 6.16. As many award, as many walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Upon the Israel of God. Who is the Israel of God? Galatians 3, 28 and 29. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female. For you all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Who is the Israel of God? We are. We are. Not all of the names of the sons of Israel are on the breastplate, but they are all on the shoulder pieces. They are all on these black onyx stones engraved with the names and filled with gold. Okay? So all of Israel was represented when, when, remember, when the lights shone as brightly as the sun, it was because the presence of God was with them. The presence of God was with them. How did they know? Because these things were just shooting rays out so that a person on the other side of the battlefield, they could see this. What is that? We are the Israel of God. He included all of Israel's sons, so we are all included in this group. We all shine as brightly as the sun. Whether you feel like it or not, it is bright. You are bright as a spirit being. 
God sees this. The angels see it. The demons see it. Do you? Whether you believe it, whether you feel like it or not, it is there. It is there. Second Corinthians chapter three. Let's let's go a little bit more. Second Corinthians chapter three, seventeen through seven through eighteen. Paul is talking and comparing the old covenant ways with what we have today. In verse seven, but if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance. Which glory was passing away? You guys remember that, right? When he went up and convened with God for 40 days, came back down, his face is shining so brightly, people couldn't look at him. He had to put a cloak over his face, over his head. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect. For even what was glorious had no glory in this respect. Because of the glory that excels. Because of what we have today in comparison he said it was a even though it was a ministry of death and it led to condemnation, it was glorious. But compared to what we have today, there was no glory there. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remained is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have this hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses had read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But, now notice this. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Here's the tie-in to those shoulder pieces is that the Greek word doxa, which we translate as glory, means bright lights. Its meaning is splendor, brightness of the sun, moon, and stars. Magnificence, excellence, preeminence, dignity, grace. All these things are in every single one of us and everyone that confesses belief in Jesus. It is there. And God is taking you from one level of glory, one level of brightness, to another, to another, to another. Wow. We have this as our inheritance, it is part of our identity. 
It's part of our identity. Now, we know that the adversary cannot do what God does. He cannot come up with originality of his own, but he can copy what God's already done. What is a prominent thing today in um, New Age beliefs? Crystals, stones, that they say contain their own energy, that are able to heal people, that also can vibrate and light up. Because what happened in Israel, it was supernatural. Because even Josephus, he even said, now this is not the nature of stones. Okay? So, it's not the nature of stones today either. <laughs> but it's by a different source. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Jesus just hits the nail on the head. He says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16. Notice these first five words. Let your light shine. First three words. <laughs> Let your light shine. So shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in the heavens. Why would he say, let your light shine? If you have to work it up or if it's only there when you feel the presence of God. He's saying, allow it. It's there. Let it out. Let his light shine. It is in you. He says, you're not sometimes the light of the world in verse 14. He said, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine. It is in you. It's in every one of us. We are the body of Christ on the earth. We are the body. And this body is clothed in radiance, radiant glory. Okay? He is as bright as the noonday sun. And guess what? You are a part of it. You are there. Just as these lights shone when the presence of God was available to the Israelites, it is shining in us today. The presence of God is with you all the time. You are never alone. He is with you. He is in you. He's around you. He's above you. He's beneath you. He's there all the time. All the time. This chair would not even be in existence if God kept hold, if he did not keep holding it together. Because of God, everything consists. It's his power, it is his love that things continue to exist. This building, everything, the air you breathe is because of God. Everything. If we could only see what God sees. If we could only see what God sees. Sometimes 
scriptures tell us we do not, we walk by faith, not by sight, right? So do you believe it? Do you believe that this power, this glory is in you? We walk by faith. If you believe it, I'm not saying it's there if you don't believe it, because it's there. It is. But to understand what is going on around us in the spirit realm, because again, these things that are on the earth are but a shadow of the things of heaven, are but a shadow. Ephesians 1.3 tells us that every spiritual blessing that God could ever possibly give us, he's already given to us in Christ Jesus. You have already received every spiritual blessing. It's yours. You have it. It is in you. Every spiritual blessing. Think of the greatest hero of the faith that you can think of since Christ Jesus and what was given to him you have it he just knew it that person knew it and accessed it we all have because we are all part of the body of Christ Ephesians 2 6 to, to dwell to dwell a little bit more into the spiritual aspect of what God's doing it tells us that he has made us sit down in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are seated right now in heaven, but we're also here on the earth. Don't ask me how that works. There are mysteries I really don't even want to understand because I love having a God that is so much more bigger than me that I can't comprehend some of the things that he does. We are the body of Christ. We are the Israel of God. Whether you know it or not, believe it or not, even on your worst day, you shine like the noonday sun. You ever see a little dog? Yeah, <laughs> a little dog that's scared of you? What does he do? He barks at you, doesn't he? He might even snap at you and try to bite you. But he's, he's, and why is he doing that? He's afraid of you. The same thing with the adversary. Because they see the glory of God upon each and every one of us. They see what is inherent to our inheritance. They see what is inherent to our identity that we, at times, don't even recognize, but it's there. Now, in our discussion this morning, we've talked about one aspect of the Old Covenant, one, if you want to call it, one decoration, one thing. How many things are out there that God has just as fascinating for us to know, to understand of what he has given to us as part of our inheritance? 
we should walk tall. We should all walk tall. Because the pride, it's not in ourselves. It's in God. That he is on our side. He is for us and not against us. Who can be against us if he is for us? It's there. It is our privilege to be able to access it. In your everyday lives, what, more than anything, what I, I want you to walk away with today is to be more aware of what God is doing in you and through you in everyday life. Everyday life. When you're at Walmart, when you're at work, when you're driving on 465 or on the interstate, you're still as bright as ever. What's God doing? What's he doing? Ask him. Because, again, when something, someone inquired of the priest, of very, and it was, it was like the national leaders that this only would act, be able to access it, God would give an answer. Well, guess what you are? You are priests and a holy nation. Every one of us. You are kings and priests, queens and priests. All of us are royalty. And we all are part of the priesthood because we intercede from one, from one group of people to another, from God to the people that we live with, our families, people that don't know Jesus. One last verse. Revelation 21, 22 through 24. But I saw no temple in it, speaking of the Jerusalem above. And actually, in these section of verses, he's talking about the bride of Christ. I saw the bride of Christ descend down from heaven. There was no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need for the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor to it, into it. Again, who's the bride of Christ? We are. We should walk tall. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear the good news in that manner. Maybe, you know, I heard told. That's not what's in us. I believe this actual, this section of scripture we experience now because God is in us. He is part of our holy city that we are an intricate, intricate part of. He is a part. Our light comes from him. This city is glowing with the brightness of the sun because of him. And we are all, we're not just residents of the city, we are the city. Chew on that. So be aware of what's going on. What is God doing? Who does he want you to impact today, tomorrow, next week? It's all part of being a part of this body, of this glorious body of Christ.
Yeah. If you feel the presence of God right now, I just want you to say more, more, more. Because he's in you. He's lighting you up. Ask him to show you what's going on around you. If you need help seeing or being more aware, we have a prayer team up here that would love to pray for you. This is real stuff. This is not Joe's imagination. This isn't some Christian mysticism. Even secular resources recognize what was going on. It's there. It's real. I pray that you all have a wonderful day walking and living and breathing in his presence. Soak it in. I also want to thank Kaya Hazan, which led me to a lot of the references that I brought up today. So thank you. It's good stuff. And this is just one aspect of the old covenant that we can learn from. God bless you all. And we can- Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.org.